the Christ Center channel and the Revelation podcast. For those that like to see, I suggest turning into the Christ Center channel. And to those that just likes to hear, I suggest turning to the Revelation podcast. Now, the Christ Center channel is on YouTube. And you can find the Revelation podcast on Spotify and Apple iTunes. And we are on. And we are continuing onward with the special Christians and Halloween. And after tonight, I will do two more. And that will conclude Christians and Halloween. And for the message of Christians and Halloween, I want to talk about Christians should have nothing to do with sorcery. Now, verse 8 of Revelation chapter 21 has been our home verse. And let me read that. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now we have the words cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars in this verse. These words can be associated with Halloween. And the outcomes are the same for both Revelation chapter 21 verse 7 and for Halloween. And those that participate evil will end up with a second death. The fire and brimstone is meant for those who are evil and continue to practice evil. Now, I take in each of these words, like cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, and the last one I did was sexually immoral, and we've been focused on what does the Bible say about these things. These things I just mentioned are associated with Halloween. Those are fearful. Those are unbelieving. Those practice abominable things. Those promote murder as Halloween does. Also, Halloween, as we last saw, promotes sexual immoral. If you go back to the last video that I did on how Halloween promotes sexual immorality, you'll see on how the devil utilizes sexual immorality to draw people into Halloween. If he can't get people hooked on the blood and death, then he'll use another fleshly attraction as in the form of sex to attract people in participating Halloween. Now you could go through any place that sells Halloween costumes. And for the women, they make costumes of prostitutes. Now they have this prostitute in the form of a witch, an actual prostitute, and also something prostitute like a nurse's outfit. Not an actual nurse's outfit because you know, the Halloween outfits that they use for nurses would not be worn in an actual real medical facility. I mean, if a nurse shows up dressed like a prostitute, most likely she's gonna lose her job. And those examples right there, it shows on how Halloween uses sexual immorality as a way to attract people to participate in what's really the birthday of Satan. Now, if you had a chance to go look at the videos that I use, then you'll see John Ramirez, a Satanist, declared that he got married on Halloween as to celebrate Satan's birthday. Halloween is a promotion of Satan's birthday. And churches can sugarcoat that into a fall festival and still promote Satan's birthday. You know, 
give Satan an inch and he'll take your whole entire life and he'll drag you down to the pit of hell with him. Now, tonight's message. Christians should have nothing to do with sorcery. Sorcery is connected to Halloween. On Halloween night, there are many people, including Christians, that practice sorcery. Now, a lot of Christians don't just practice this one time a year. They practice this throughout the whole entire year. I'll give you some examples. Harry Potter a children's novel that's becoming a multi-million dollar franchise uses children to promote sorcery. Then they take these children that grew up past Harry Potter and they move them into the vampire series that was well famous. I think it was on HBO. I know they did a couple movies, you know. I can't think of the name right on top of my head, but I know the actor that's playing the Batman now was part of that movie franchise where it was about teenage vampires. Well, teenage vampires promote sorcery for teenagers. And then when the teenagers are too old for teenage vampires, then Hollywood moves them on to darker things that associate with sorcery. A great example of that is a television show that runs on TNT during midnight. It's called Charm. It's about three witches, and with witches you have sorcery. And if you go to any, like, section where they sell board games, you see Ouija boards. You know, Ouija boards have become really popular ever since um, Netflix has um, created a franchise, Stranger Things. Again, they use children to promote witchcraft and sorcery. They try to make it look like these things are innocent and they're fun, and a lot of Christians get caught up in it. They don't think, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, children, they love to play with their witchcraft and their sorcery. So we're just going to let them, and it's perfectly fine. Now, I talked about how Halloween is an abomination and how Halloween utilizes sexually immoral acts such as homosexuality to draw people into Halloween and you know if Halloween was a homosexual holiday then I think well I don't know I hope not that I think a lot of Christians would be against it and they should be because the Bible is very clear that homosexuality is abomination towards God now, what if they took this Harry Potter kid and they made him a homosexual that lived with a pedophile? Would a lot of Christians be into that? I hope the answer is no. And their reason would be from Leviticus because homosexuality and pedophilia is abomination towards God. Well, you know, in the word of God, sorcery is also abomination to God. So why are we allowing our children be part of something evil such as Harry Potter? Christians should have nothing to do with sorcery. And the Bible is filled with God's word that shows that he is against sorcery or any type of practice that involves people speaking to the dead. You know, that was one of the major things in the original Halloween's was that you had a, 
a lot of witches and sorcerers speak to the dead, hoping to connect to the dead. And the Bible is very clear that Christians should not do that. So from Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, we are going to go to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31. Now, a lot of people that are not biblically educated or don't spend time studying the word think that there is a different God in the Old Testament and that the God in the New Testament is also different and that God today is different. So the Old Testament doesn't really matter. You know, Jesus died on the cross and, you know, the laws put to death and we're under his grace. In the book of Leviticus, it was just for the Levitical law. We are no longer part of Levitical law. That's been put to death a long time ago. <coughs> this is the type of preaching that we hear today. And you want to know why Hollywood mocks at Christianity? Because we have become so hypocritical of trying to be, this is who we are, but we're really just as evil as the world is because we don't spend time studying the word now if you go into malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says that i am the same i do not change if i did change then i would consume the house of jacob so malachi chapter 3 verse 6 and yes i'm summarizing it because I don't feel like going there. I mean, we could go there. You could go there yourself. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, and you'll see that the word testifies that the God is the same. The God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament, and is the same God today. And the God today is the same God that we read about in the end of the book of Revelation. He is the same. And we just read Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, that sorcery will not inherit the kingdom of God. It will be burned in the lake of fire. And now we go to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31, where God's given Moses the law to Israel. And this is what he says. Give no regard to mediums. And familiar spirits. Now, mediums and familiar spirits are the same thing as sorcery because they both practice the act of talking to the dead. And God tells them, do not seek after them. If they do seek after them, they will be defiled by them. The people that practice these things are abomination to God. And people that go after them will also be defiled to the point where they will be an abomination to God. And they will be separated from him. Now to continue onward to see how God is against sorcery, let us go into the next chapter of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 20. You look at the first Verse, not the first one, but verse six. And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Now, people that don't really know the Bible might say, oh, there you go. You see, Gosh is talking to the Israelites in the Old Testament, he's talking to the children. That law is for them and is not for us. We are under God's grace. So it's okay for us to practice some sorcery. Wrong. I'll go back to Revelations chapter 21 verse 8 again. To disprove what a lot of Christians think about how we're still under God's grace. And yes. God did tell the children of Israel and Leviticus that if you practice sorcery, that he will cut you off. And But listen, look at But the sorcerers shall have their part 
and laced with burners of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This idea is the same idea in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6. And let's bounce back to Leviticus chapter 20. And Leviticus chapter 20, and we'll look at verse 27, where we're going to see that those that practice sorcery will be cut off from God. A man or a woman who is a medium, in other words, practice sorcery, or has familiar spirits, though those who are seeking those kind of spirits, shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. So people that practice sorcery in the Old Testament would have been stoned to death by the Israelites. So if your son was playing Harry Potter during this time, he would have been stoned to death. Now you're still saying, oh, that's just Old Testament. It's okay. No, it's not okay. If your son continues to play with sorcery, then he is practicing evil. And he continues down that path and he will burn in the lake of fire. Anyone that practice sorcery will be burned in the lake of fire. So we see that the word of God is clearly against sorcery, which is why Christians should have nothing to do with sorcery. Now, let's go and look at the New Testament for a little bit to see uh, what it says about those who practice sorcery and other kinds of evil. Let's go in Galatians chapter 5. And I believe you're going to see the same thing in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 5. This is Paul's letter to the church in Galatians. And in chapter 5, he talks about our flesh goes against our spirit. And... He talks about the works of the flesh from verses 19 all the way down to 21. Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness. Now, with the first four works of the flesh can be associated with sexual immorality. And the next word says idolatry. We know from Leviticus that idolatry is an abomination towards God. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, we know that those who practice idolatry will also be burned in the lake of fire. Oh, look what's next. Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish, ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Which I tell you beforehand. So in other words, Paul told them this before. Just as I also told you in past time. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like the letter Revelations. The letter to the Galatians are also written to believers. Paul and John are writing to believers. They are dressing to believers. They're not dressing to unbelievers. This is not for unbelievers. This is for believers. Just like the Levitical laws were for the children of Israel, these letters in the New Testament are for believers. Now we compare Revelations, Galatians, and Leviticus. And they pretty much say the same thing about sorcery. That those that practice sorcery will not inherit God's kingdom. Now let's see what else Paul says about those that practice in evil. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 20 and 22. Verses 20 through 22. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons, like Halloween. 
and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Whenever we participate in sorcery and in Halloween, we offer ourselves fellowship with demons. Now look what Paul says in verse 21. It's the same thing that Jesus says about no one can serve two masters. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord in the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table. In other words, you can't worship God and the devil at the same time. And now the temple of demons. You cannot partake the Lord's table and the table of demons. And listen to what Paul says. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousies? Are we stronger than he? The last part. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Paul asks them a question. About that, let's go back into the Old Testament and see, see this. Exodus chapter 20. This is the Ten Commandments. The first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. In other words, don't practice idolatry. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Those that practice idolatry or any form of abomination such as sorcery say that they hate God. They don't love God. They hate God, which is why it is impossible to serve two masters. You can't do it no matter how hard you try or the appearance that you put on. Because really in your heart, when you practice evil, you say that you hate God and you despise his ways. So why should God let you into heaven when you don't love him? When you practice sorcery, you are saying you hate them. When you allow your children to participate in sorcery, as in Harry Potter, you and your child are saying that you hate them. So why should a gracious and loving God let you into his kingdom? Why should he? Now, whoever's listening to this, own things. You could own a car. You could own a house and whatever. And I'm sure that when you have guests, that you have expectations for them. You want them to respect and obey your rules. Like, if you don't want guests coming into your house and throwing a wild party where they just destroy everything, you know, and if you knew, hey, this is what they are going to do, even though you let them know, hey, you can't come if you do those things, are you still going to let them in? No, you're not going to let them in. And if they started, you know, acting very rude, very violent, start destroying the place, I mean, you're going to probably start calling the police and or you're probably going to have them kicked out. Because, you know, you're not going to let them do whatever they want to your place. Well, God is also the same. That God is not just going to let people come into his kingdom and let them do whatever they want. Because we see what people that do whatever they want will do. They will mess up things eventually. So God does not want his children practicing things that goes against him like sorcery. Therefore, you can't serve God and demons at the same time. 
when you practice sorcery and when you practice Halloween, you are serving demons. Make no mistake about that. Now, look at what it says in the New Testament about those that practice darkness, which is sorcery and Halloween. Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 11. 1 John chapter 2, verse 11. Anyone that practices darkness. But he who hates his brother is in darkness. So, if you walk in darkness as sorcery and Halloween, then you hate your brother. I mean, if you look at the core practice of Halloween, you know, you have people that practice human sacrifice. They are taking the life of someone else. That is an act of hate. And those that practice sorcery and witchcraft and want to put curses on their neighbors, you know, in other words, they're saying they're hoping that those around them will have bad things happen to them. Those that desire bad things to happen others is hatred, which is in darkness. And look what First John chapter 2 verse 1 says more about darkness. And walks in darkness. So if you hate your brother, you walk in darkness. If you participate in darkness, you hate your brother. And does not know where he is going, which is correct. Those that participate in sorcery and Halloween think that it's just a fun game. And they have no idea on where this is going to drag them and their family yet. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now you want to see more about those who practice darkness? Let us go to another layer of Paul's. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 16. Paul tells us, For your once darkness. Now this is before we were saved. Before we were saved, we lived in darkness. But now you are but now you are light in the Lord. So our light is our spirit that has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. This is our inner man that has the light. We have the light. So since we have the light, we walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, a while ago, we talked about the flesh, the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. But let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, those that have the light, have crucified the flesh. So we put our evil deeds to death with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, and if we've been born in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envy one another. So those who have the fruit of the Spirit walk as Christ taught us. We no longer provoke one another, and we are no longer envying. Rather, let's, let's go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 6, and where I left off. 
For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. The Holy Spirit will guide us to show what is acceptable to God. You know, 1 John talks about what we should practice and what we should not practice. But let us go back and see of those who are children of God to see what they practice. Now, I'm going on the fly off this because I believe I can find it. But we could pick up some good stuff along the way. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he is the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. So in other words, the person in the light will not hate his brother. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. And let's go on to the third chapter. First John chapter 3, verses 7, talks about little children, what they practice. Little children. Let no one deceive you, like people that say it's okay to participate in Halloween. He who practices righteousness, in other words, practice the fruit of the Spirit, is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has been sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So we see that those that walk in the light love his brother and they practice righteousness. And let us go back to Ephesians chapter 5 to see those that walk in darkness. And have, and verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. The unfruitful works of darkness are the works of the flesh, but rather expose them, for it is a shameful or is abominable even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Those that practice darkness do not practice out in the light, but they practice it in dark place. And look at what it says about the light when it comes to darkness. But all things that are exposed are made manifested by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Those that still think that it's okay to participate in Halloween, I say, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Christ is a merciful God. He welcomes us back in open arms. And right now, he's giving you a chance to walk away completely from darkness and stay into the light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are going to get more evil. They're not going to get any better. Hollywood is trying to legalize pedophilia, and that's an example of the many acts of evil that's coming down the line. I mean, right now, they already got children participating in sorcery for the last two decades, and we see evil all around the streets. We see rebellion at its darkest. Those that practice rebellion are disobedient to God. And those darknesses continue to grow. And children 
are lost. They have no idea what they're doing. They're hurt and they're miserable and they feel that no one understands them and they are being deceived by Satan and Satan is going to try to bring down as many people as he possibly can in the lake of fire. Thank God that his kingdom has not come yet. Now don't get me wrong. I would like for it to be here right now. I would like to live there right now because there will be no more death, no more tears, and no more sorrow. We'll have new bodies that will no longer be sick or ill. Will we worship the King of Kings forever? Will we see in Jesus? And we'll have a place where love, peace, and joy will be in the atmosphere and it's going to be the way it is. So you can see why. I look forward to it. I would like for it to be right now. Yeah, on the flip side of things, I see that because it has not happened yet, that people still have time to repent. You know, before the flood came, that people had time to repent. Enoch preached the gospel. He preached of God's judgment coming. And Noah preached of it, and he told them that God's judgment was coming. You know, Noah started building the ark when he was 500 years old. And he finished it on his 600 years. So God, we know, gave them at least 100 years. He gave them more than that. 120 years, he gave them time to repent. And they did not. And God's judgment came out of nowhere. It caught them off guard. They were married. They were singing and drinking. They were living their lives they were doing all sorts of evil. They were fulfilling their flesh. And God's judgment came. You know, a lot of people throughout this world are celebrating. You know, even though there's COVID-19 going on, they don't care. They're going to celebrate. They're going to do all the fleshy things that they want. They don't care. And we know in Revelation at the fall of Babylon that when God's judgment comes, that there'll be people playing music, Celebrate, and all of a sudden God's judgment comes just like the way the flood did. And then people will be screaming for misery. Sorcerers will be screaming for misery because they know that that's it. God's judgment is final. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not remember like Galatians. Revelation and John's letter, the letter of Ephesians is written to believers as well. This letter is not for unbelievers, but for believers. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. That means... We have to take time. We have to get into the Word daily. We have to read it for ourselves. And the Holy Spirit is faithful that it will guide us. It will show us how we're supposed to live as children of light. It will not lead us down to the path of darkness. Let no false teacher fool you by saying that it's okay to practice sorcery and it's okay to participate in Halloween while you are a Christian because that is a dark and evil road. Remember the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. Abstain from every form of evil. So when we see evil, we should not go towards it, but away from it. Now, we've seen throughout the Bible and how sorcery is something that a Christian should not do. What I like to show you is how in the Bible we see God defeat Sorcery after sorcery after sorcery. And
this is all going to be in the book of Acts. So we're going to be at Acts for a little bit. Sorcery in Acts. We're going to go to Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 25. Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 25. The sorcerer's profession of faith. Now, this is a time where Paul is still Saul. And he's chasing Christians throughout Palestine. And this is causing the Christians to kind of spread out, out of Jerusalem. And they're going into Judea and into Samaria. And we read about Philip when he's taking the gospel down to Samaria. And he encounters a sorcerer. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was a someone great. This is something to notice about sorcerers even today. Sorcerers today promote themselves, and it's a way for them to get famous. And so Simon is doing the same thing with sorcery. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the great, saying, This man is the great power of God. So you see, Simon has these people in Samaria fooled. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So we read about Simon, that Simon becomes a believer, just like the rest of the people in Samaria that Philip preached to. Now I read about the sorcerer's sin. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who then... They had come down and prayed for that they might receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, they were giving them the Holy, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. See, Simon made a grave mistake because he thought he could buy it instead of receive it. You see how arrogant and his thoughts were that he couldn't see that it was a gift that was given to him? He thought that you know he would just buy it. He offered them money. He said, Give me this power also. So when he said, give me this power also, it gives us the impression that he was still holding on to his sorcery. And remember what I said earlier, no man can serve two masters. He must serve one and the other. Paul says we can't drink the cup of Christ and also the cup of demons, which the sorcerer Simon thinks that he could do. He, could still, he thinks that he could serve God and serve demons at the same time. And listen, one, give me this power also. That anyone whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Look at for your heart is not right in the sight of God. So even though that he believed and was baptized, his heart was not right in the sight of God. And Peter says, Repent! Therefore, this is your wickedness. And pray, God, perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven. So Simon had, did not repent yet. He did not turn away from his sin. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness. Another great description of sorcery. A lot of people that participate in this stuff isn't happy. Don't let Hollywood fool you. Hollywood just takes evil. They try to make it look glamorous. For Hollywood is a tool of the devil to bring down Christians. 
And so they use sorcery to corrupt Christians and thinking that it is glamorous, but it is not. Those that practice evil will be bitter, as Simon. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So in other words, the devil still had a hold of him. Then Simon answered and said, Pray. Now this is a great story of how even those that practice sorcery can still repent. They can get away from that side. They can be a child of God. Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many, uh, many villages of the Samaritans. See, we see the Holy Spirit defeats Satan in this story. The Holy Spirit converted a sorcerer into a child of light. Amen. Now, the next story of sorcery has to do with the first missionary trip. Earlier on, I mentioned how, you know, when Simon the sorcerer got saved, that Paul was still a Saul and he was still persecuting Christians. Well, you know, in the book of Acts that Paul became a believer, just like Simon the sorcerer, and God used Paul to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. In the first missionary journey, we see Paul and Barabbas entangle with a sorcerer. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 13, verses 6 through 12. Now, when they had gone through the island to Patmos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. Now, there's something also knows about this source that we can also see in sorcerers today. Sorcerers today have a way to gravitate towards powerful people, to influence them. I think it was well documented that Ronald Reagan's wife participated in sorcery. She was a spokesperson for medians and sorcery. In fact, there are times that she shared on how she consulted with these people to speak to the dead. Now back to Acts. This man, I'm in verse 7, this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God, Sergius. Paulus, the intelligent man. But Elimus, Elimus is the same as Bar-Jesus, but Elimus, a sorcerer, for so this, for this, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the pro-council away from the faith. So we see a spiritual warfare going on. You know, God is battling Satan for Sergius Paulus. Paul and Barbas are the spirit. And we see Elimus, the sorcerer, is the flesh. So there's spiritual warfare going on. So, you know, seeking to turn the pro-council away from the faith, which is what the sorcerer is trying to do. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that quickly, and we'll come right back. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, And do not be drunk with wine in which dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. We are not just supposed to have the Spirit, but we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. And verses 19 through 21 shows how we can be filled with the Spirit. And verse 19, number one, is speak to one another in psalms and hymns. Make melody to your heart. That's number one. Number two is found in verse, verse 20. Give thanks always for all things to God. And number three, submit to one another in fear of God. So there are three things that we can do that will lead us to being filled with the Spirit. Number one, sing melody in your heart to the Lord. 
Number two, give thanks for God. And number three, submit to one another in a fear of God. So here we see how we can be filled with the Spirit. And Paul certainly was filled with the Spirit. And let's see how that turns out in Acts. Acts chapter 13, we go back. Acts chapter 13. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled the hoods, looked intently at him, and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil. A lot of sorcerers say are like this. They're full of deceit, they're full of fraud, and they're children of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? You see, all these little sorcerers, all they do is just pervert the ways of the Lord so that they could continue to recruit for Satan. And all they're doing is pulling themselves down to the lake of fire. And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you. And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately dark mist fell on him. We see the power of God come against Satan. We see the power of God overcoming this sorcerer. And he, the sorcerer, went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. With Elimias, we see how quickly that he can be dismissed. You know, he was this proud guy that was rubbing elbows with a, a ruling official. And we see how quickly God brings him down to the point where he is a poor blind person that needs someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So again, we see the Holy Spirit defeat this sorcerer. The Holy Spirit also defeated the heart of the sorcerer in Samaria. The book of Acts is a work of the Holy Spirit. And we see in the book of Acts, we see a spiritual warfare, the flesh versus the spirit. And we just see the spirit time and time again defeat evil and darkness. We see the Holy Spirit defeat two sorcerers. And let us go on and see more. Now we're going to Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. And this is actually going to put us into Ephesus. Not to... Philippians, this is in Philippi, Church of Philippi. Getting too far ahead myself because I'm excited. Now I'm going to slow down a little bit. Now, this is Paul and Silas in the second missionary journey. And now it happened as we, now we know that Luke is with them because we know the word we, we went to a prayer. A certain slave girl possessed with spirit divination met us. So in other words, the spirit girl is also practicing mediums who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling this girl followed paul and us and cried out saying these men are servants of the most high who proclaim to us the way of salvation she was mocking them and this she did for many days but paul greatly annoyed and said to the spirit notice he said to the spirit paul was talking to the spirit that was possessing the slave girl. And Paul was annoyed. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So Paul cast a demon out of the girl that was practicing sorcery. Again, we see the Holy Spirit defeat acts of evil. Now... For the last of uh, sorcery and acts, we are going to Ephesus. We're going to Acts chapter 19 and verses 11 through 20. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and diseases left them. 
and the evil spirits went out of them. So the Holy Spirit through Paul was casting out demons. Then some of the ignorant Jewish extortions, in other words, these guys are like sorcerers, took it upon themselves to call upon the name of Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exhorse you by the Jesus who Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered and prevailed against them. So they fled out of that house, naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks, dwelling in Festus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many who had believed came confessing. Look at who had believed. They were like Simon the sorcerer who believed and thought they could practice darkness. Look at what happened to them. Confessing and telling their deeds. So they got afraid. They got serious. They knew, I better stay away from this witchcraft. I need to get rid of this stuff. Also, males who practiced magic brought their books together and burned them inside of all. And they counted up the value of them and told 50,000 pieces of silver. So the Lord of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. I read somewhere that 50,000 pieces of silver equal $50,000. Wow. They repented of their sorcery. And not only did they repent, but they burned all the things that influenced. They cut out their sin. Like Jesus says, whatever causes you to stumble, get rid of it. And so this is what these people of Festus did. They repented and they got rid of the stuff that caused them to stumble. And I will bring this to the end by letting us take a look at sorcery and revelation. I mean, I hope you see through tonight that sorcery is frowned upon in God's eyes. We should not practice it. There is not one verse that promotes sorcery in a positive way. It's a practice of darkness, and we should stay away from it. This is Revelation chapter 18. This is the fall of Babylon. And look at this. Verse 23. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. You see, all sorcerers do today is deceive people. And we see that they are being condemned for deceiving the nations. I mean, you, that's something you should notice. With all the sorcerer and acts, they have some, some form of deception. They were deceiving people. That's what sorcerers do. They deceive people. And the Bible is very clear that we should not deceive people. And finally, bring us back to our home base. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. As you can see from the word, Christians should have nothing to do with sorcery. So, if you're a believer... And if you're into Harry Potter or any type of thing that's sorcery related, I pray that the Holy Spirit convicts your heart. And I pray that you follow the examples in Ephesus where the Christian that believed, but later on truly repented. They burnt their witchcraft stuff. They got rid of it. So... I pray and hope that you can get rid of this stuff because the word has given you a preview of what's going to happen to those that practice sorcery or any forms of evil 
anything that's related to Halloween. Word of God, we should abstain from all appearances of evil. Therefore, Christians should have nothing to do with sorcery. All right. I have two more for Christians and Halloween. The next one is Halloween is an idolatry. And the last one will be the father of all liars. And that is evil. And we should be done with those two before October 31st. I look forward to going onward and may God bless you.